So if you have your Bibles, we're in John chapter 1. This is part 2 of our Christmas series. Last week we talked about why do we um, always circle back to a Christmas series. And if you remember last week we looked at Luke chapter 1 where Luke is writing to a man named Theopolis, and he tells him, hey, here's why I'm writing this, so you can know the certainty of the things that you've been taught and, and to be a witness for Jesus. And so we need to be reminded. Peter, in the books of Peter, he tells the people he's writing to, I write this to remind you. So what you hear today is not going to be something you've not heard before. Uh, we're just going to be reminded of the truth so that we don't forget, so that we do remember um, why we celebrate Christmas. So uh, today we've chosen to read John's account of Jesus. He uses several times in the very beginning of this called the word. That is reference to Jesus. We're going to read actually 18 verses. So it's a lot today, but I just felt um, that we need to hear this because of the, uh, the many powerful truths that are in this. So John 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word that's talking about Jesus, which is why it's capitalized. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was, he was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was light to all of mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So he's talking about John the Baptist. Verse 9, the true light, talking about Jesus, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John, talk about John the Baptist. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I, I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me. He was before me. And out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. So John, who was one of the, he was the oldest apostle. He died around, I believe, 90 A.D., about 60 years after the resurrection of Jesus, spent three years with Jesus. He writes the last gospel account, and he tells us three, there's more than three, but I want to highlight just three truths that, that John's word reveals about Jesus, some three truths that reveals about Jesus. And I also want to highlight what it means for us. 
because it means something to us. Tells us why Jesus came. So tells us something about Jesus and why he came. So three truths uh, this, that this text reveals about Jesus is number one that he's the Creator. If you re- it says in the beginning was the Word, is a is a John is basically winking at Genesis one one, which is says in the beginning. Uh, God created the heavens and the earth. And then John goes on to tell us, and we read it uh, in verse 2, that through him, everything that was made, and without him, nothing was made. In other words, John is telling us, Jesus is the creator that we read about in Genesis 1.1. We exist because God made us. And from him, we, if we don't have him and we don't know this, we lack purpose and clarity. But because Jesus is the creator, he gives us purpose. He gives us clarity. He gives us life because he's the creator. He's the creator and we're the created. It tells us where we come from. Number two thing that it reveals about Jesus is that Jesus is God himself. And we read it. The one and only son who is God himself. Jesus, even though he was fully man, he was also fully God. He wasn't part God and part man. He was both fully God, fully human. We have a theological term for this. It's called the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Godhead three in one. Uh, God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In essence, what this reveals to us, that the Trinity itself is God in relationship with Himself. He didn't create us because he was lonely in heaven. He already had relationship within himself. And so, one, Jesus is the creator. Jesus is God himself. And number three, what this reveals about Jesus is that Jesus Uh, was God among us. That's what we read. The Word became flesh. He put on human skin, born of a virgin. And that's how we know he was God, because he was born of a virgin. He predicted his own life and, and predicted his own death, that he would die on a cross and rise again from the dead. Three days later, those things did happen. Not only is it written in the Bible, but it's also written in external documents. And if you have the ability to be able to predict your death and also your very own resurrection, plus pull it off, I'm going to think about what you said. And so that's why we talked about last week, we should want these things to be true. Is it true that God really lived among us? Listen, there is no other religion, none, no other, not Judaism, uh, not Islam, teaches that God enters his very own creation. And he tells us why he did it, and we'll get to there in a minute. But what this means and why this is important is that Jesus has experienced the full range of being human. If God has dwelt among us, he did it so he can sympathize with us. No other uh, religion claims, makes the claim that their God enters earth. Jesus, who is God himself, comes it says that he be, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He lived in his very own creation. Why is that important? Because when I feel pain, I also know that Jesus felt it too. 
It's not like God doesn't understand our pain because he's in heaven in a place that's perfect and he has no idea because he doesn't live in a fallen, broken world. No, he actually did. He has the full experience that that we have. Hebrews tells us that he even experiences all the temptations that man has has felt yet without sin. Jesus faced temptation, Hebrews 4.15, Luke. 4 verse 2, Jesus got irritated so because he's feeling the full range of humanity, Matthew 17, 17. He felt all human emotions, anger, sadness, joy, John eleven thirty five, Matthew 21, 12 through 13. We're not going to read these. It's just a reference. He got tired, uh, John 4 uh, verse 6. He had empathy for hurting people, Matthew 9, 36. So when I hear this, it actually helps us knowing my God has actually felt pain with me. He, he knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to go through a pandemic. It's not like we, we look at like, God, where are you? He's like, I've, I've, he knows what it's like to, to actually bear the weight of our own sin. He, he was one of us. God enters his own creation. And I've heard people say, well, how can God be a human. That is impossible. It's impossible for a human to be God. It's not impossible for God to be human. It is possible for God to enter his own creation. And I love this. Reminds me of a story by a famous radio uh, host called Paul Harvey. Does anyone not know who Paul Harvey is? Oh, this service, everyone knows. Awesome. Okay. Last service, there was actually some people who didn't know who Paul Harvey was. In case you're here and you didn't want to raise your hand and embarrass yourself, I'll tell you. So he, uh, he actually started out in Michigan, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, working at a small radio station in Kalamazoo. He, uh, I, I believe, moved to Chicago and ended up getting a, a national platform on radio back when radio was. So he would basically give the news, give opinion, and then he would tell a story at the end of, and I would listen to him. When I worked at Eaton Corporation, every day. I couldn't wait for Paul Harvey to come on. He had a voice. It was like grandpa talking to you. Am I right? Like you just loved it. When I was a little kid, I used to think this guy is boring because my dad listened to him every day in the garage. But when I got older, I'm like, this man like is reminding me of my childhood and everything I think uh, uh, grandpa should sound like Paul Harvey is it. So he'd tell a story, a true story um, at at the end. And uh, when he would get done, when he would get done telling the story, he would say this, and now you know, see, you all know who Paul Harvey is. Okay, that was the test. Now you know the rest of the story. So the story, one of the stories he told on one of the broadcasts, and I'm, you know, it's not verbatim, but what I remember about it was there was a farmer who was a religious skeptic, didn't really believe in God, kind of skeptical that God could actually live, like enter his own creation and be a human being and be fully God all at the same time. And uh, so this farmer, one day there's a snowstorm and he's seeing birds um, trying to fly into his home. He had a window and trying to fly into the, to get into warm on the inside. He's hitting the kitchen windows where he's doing dishes. And so the farmer thinks to himself, you know what I can do? He's feeling bad. He doesn't want the birds to freeze in the middle of the snowstorm. He he says, what I'll do is I'll go and open the barn door and... uh, so they can get to the heat. So he goes out, and it's you know in the middle of blizzard. He opens the barn door. He takes some straw and creates a place so the birds can come in and get warm, turns the lights on so there, there's heat. They would be out of the wind. And the birds fly away when he comes out, 
and he watches out the window, and they will not go into the barn. They're flying around it. They're still trying to fly into the window, but they won't go into the barn. And he has this thought, and he said to himself, I wish I could become a bird so I could show them the way into the barn. And he had a revelation. That's what Jesus did. He becomes one of us to show us the way. And he said that. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this is who Jesus is. He's our creator. He is God. And he actually lived on earth with us. So that also has some implications because John tells us why he comes. He's not just coming to do an inventory. Like, hmm, oh, it's really bad down here. No, he comes to bring life. He comes to give hope. This is why we do Christmas so we're reminded of the hope. So three truths why Jesus came into his own creation. Number one is it tells us that he came to shine light into darkness. We read in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness implies everything that we, it's a metaphor to, about sin. It's a metaphor about living blindly in life. It's everything evil. It's the brokenness that we see. It's COVID-19 and all the fear that it, that's created and all the frustrations that has come with that. It's everything wrong that you have felt in your own life. Every struggle you felt is the darkness that Jesus wants to bring light to. This is important because when we follow Jesus, we actually avoid walking blindly and we avoid falling falling into sin, which is why the, the psalmist tells us in Psalms 119, your, your word is a lamp to my feet. Jesus is the word. We read that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know what a light does, right? A light exposes what's in the dark. How many of you have ever walked around in the dark, stubbed your toe on your way to the restroom in the middle of the night? Uh, it shines uh, and on pass ahead of us, your, your headlights in your car, they, they do this. Light helps ships that are out on, on uh, like Lake Michigan to guide them in storms. We have lighthouses all around our, our coast, around the coast of Michigan. Um, but I think about this. I think about uh, what took place in World War II, which was a dark time in history. And if you remember that, is on the heels of that. It's where the Spanish flu came from. Uh, when the American soldiers took flu to Spain in the middle of World War I and a pandemic broke out. But in, in 1914, when the war just started, and the, the America was not yet involved in it, but it's basically Germany and Britain, and there, I think it was in the Belgium, if my memory serves me right, uh, but it was basically a trench warfare. So the, the war was in the trenches, and they're killing each other. Germany, Britain, they're killing each other, the British, and and on Christmas Eve, uh, the, once the sun set on Christmas Eve, the Germans started putting up Christmas trees. And I don't know how they lit them, but the, the, the English were watching them put up Christmas trees. And they start singing Christmas carols throughout the night. And then the, uh, the British can hear the tunes. They hear the melody. They, they hear these different Christmas carols. And they start singing along. Now, this is a world war. They're literally in the trenches of war. They have watched their, their friends lose their life. Sun rises, Christmas Day, 
And one of the German soldiers, soldiers he waves his hand, drunks back down because he doesn't want to get shot. And they basically call a truce. Light. In one of the darkest moments of history during a world war. And Germans and British, they all come out of the trenches, greet each other in the middle of the battlefield. They exchange gifts. They, they play games of soccer. They played cards. There's all kinds of documents, uh, documentations of these soldiers sharing this one Christmas Day experience. And they had realized they are all sharing the same misery, which is the darkness. But somehow Christ and singing about Jesus, the song itself brought peace, literally stops a battle and gives light to a moment in a dark time of history. Jesus, this is what Jesus does for us. He gives light in the darkness of our own lives. And we may not be in a literal battlefield, but I would be willing to bet you've been facing some battles this year. Some of us have faced financial trials. Some of us have faced health issues. Some of us have had some relationship issues that we had to work through. Some of us needed clarity about certain things. Maybe just the pandemic itself, we already know. You just Google it. It has brought some type of frustration and some type of depression on your own life. And you need the light of Jesus. Well, he comes to offer it. He comes to become a guide in dark times. And he actually helps us to avoid stumbling. When we choose to follow Jesus, it, I know this is true for my own life and a lot of people that attend here. You, when you choose to follow Jesus... Your life's not perfect because until we get to heaven, on this side of eternity, we're going to have struggles. But we do make better decisions. We do get levels of healing. We do find levels of freedom because Jesus is light in the darkness. And he provides that for us. And the way we do that is we follow his teachings. We listen to his word. We apply his, we apply his word to our lives. So that's number one. Is He, he came to shine light. Think about whatever is darkness to you right now. In your own life, is it your depression? Is it something going on in your marriage or something going on at work or something you're processing? Jesus wants to bring light, expose that. Maybe you believe a lie about yourself that you're not good enough or that you're unworthy or you're never uh, gonna find the place that you wanna find in life and you're believing the lie. Well, Jesus is the light that exposes the lie. He gives you the truth, and then he sets you free. That's what he does. Number two reason why he came, he came to offer us eternal life. I said in verse 12, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born of God. We have another theological term for this, and we get it from John 1, or John 3. It's called born again. When you don't know Jesus, we are eternally separated from God. We are spiritually dead. We're, we're made in his image. It's, so when he talks, we're all God's children who are made in his image, but we don't all have a relationship with God the Father. We all don't have a relationship. And he said, I have come so that you could become a child of God. In other words, when you become born again, the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you, and Jesus gives you life. You literally become a new person. You are born again. Old things are passed away. All things become new. This is important because without a spiritual birth, 
There is no real life and no relationship with God. Often people, one of the, the messages we don't like about Christianity is that there is a real place called heaven and a real place called hell. And we don't like to say that. It's not popular. It's no longer politically correct. But the reality is, is it is a real place. And to be eternally separated from God is a real thing. And you are spiritually dead. But Jesus comes to offer us life. And it says he entered his own creation and they rejected him. They didn't realize it was him. They didn't realize that he, they wanted to give him life. But he said to those who did believe, he gave the right to, have, to spend eternity with God. He gave the right to be a child of God. In other words, when we decide to follow Jesus and we repent of our sin and we realize like, no, I do live in darkness. I am in a broken world. And until I give my life to him, I will be eternally separated from him. God, the scriptures tell us that God desires that none should perish. That's the heart of God. His heart is that no one would go to hell. But we must decide and make a choice. Do I want to follow him? Because we have free will, we must choose it. He is not going to uh, put that on us. He's offering us an invitation. I want to give you life or you can stay eternally separated from me. But I don't want that. Jesus comes to rescue us. And it's called a new birth. Born again. He said when we believe, we're born of God. You are spiritually dead without God. But when you receive this new birth, you get a new perspective on life. You get a new realm called the kingdom of God. You enter that kingdom. When you're born again, God's word becomes clear because the Holy Spirit will start illuminating scriptures to you. When you become born again, it offers you a new way through your pain. It offers you healing, and we don't have to stay stuck anymore. We hear time and time again, story after story, Someone who doesn't know Jesus or has walked away from their faith, broken, stuck, can't get out of their pain. They find Jesus. He walks them through their pain. He gives them healing and starts restoring them. This is important because when you become a child of God, now, because we already talked about, he knows our humanity. And if we decide to follow him now, because he was human, he actually offers us a way through our pain. I think about the woman at the well. So here's the story. We won't read it today, but it's in John chapter 4 if you want to go home and read it. But in John chapter 4, Jesus shows up to a Samaritan village. Samaritan Jews, they did not get along. It was socially unacceptable for them to talk to each other. Jesus is a rabbi, and he shows up to this well at noon a woman shows up now women you didn't go to the well at noon in ancient times in the mediterranean because it was too hot you would either go in the morning or in the evening when it was cooler and if you went at noon it was because you were avoiding people there's something going on and you don't want to be there in the morning when other people are there so this woman shows up and jesus knows her pain and so he says to her, hey, will you give me a cup of water? And she's like, what are you doing asking uh, a Samaritan woman uh, for a cup of water? You're a rabbi. You know this is not kosher. What are you doing? And, and he's like, hey, if you know who was here, if you knew who was here, you'd ask him for living water, eternal life. That's what we're talking about. He, 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 and he'd give it to you. you. Rivers of living water would flow from your belly. And she says this. She says, give me this water. 
So I never have to come back here. What is she saying? I don't want to come back to the place of pain anymore. I don't want to always, it's the heat of the day, and I'm always avoiding people. And then Jesus, he doesn't say, okay, here's the sinner's prayer that we're going to pray. We're going to say a prayer, or it's going to be a sinner's prayer. Here's what he says. He says, okay, go get your husband. So my question to you, and she says, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, oh, yeah, I know. You've, it's, you don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five. So you're not very good at relationships, obviously. Five failed marriages. And the man you're living with now, so you're, not only have you had five, but now you're in sexual immorality. And the man you're with now is not even your husband. And so let me ask you something. Is Jesus pointing out her sin or touching her pain? I think he's going after the, he's not really after the husband and the sexual immorality because he's offering her life. But he knows for her to have life, she has to ground her heart into who Jesus is and what he has to offer, the living water. And so I, he's going to offer her a way through her pain. And her pain is you look to men to find your security. That's why you've had five relationships and you keep failing because they keep letting you down because your life is not grounded in God. However, I bet if you get grounded in Jesus, this relationship you're in now, God could heal, could restore, and now you could move forward and probably not have another divorce. He's not pointing out her sin. He's pointing out her pain and he's offering her a way through it. This is why Jesus came over and over and over again. He encounters people. He heals thousands. He feeds thousands. He's opening blind eyes. You know it all. You've heard the stories of Jesus and the miraculous. Why? Because he offers a way through pain. That's why they would, he'd go to a village and they would follow him. If you deal with your pain, you actually resolve your sin. It, because we know what happens. She, she processes with Jesus. She runs back to the village. Now she's telling everybody. So now instead of avoiding people, now she's literally becoming an evangelist, the first evangelist for Jesus. And she says, come, come to the well. I found a man who knew everything about my life. And what she was saying is, I wasn't judged he, certainly he exposed, that's what he does, light in the darkness. He exposed the darkness of my failed relationships, and I'm trying to fill a void that only he can fill. This is the eternal life, the child of God. He tells me everything about my life, and she gets excited. You know she's healed because now she's not even avoiding people. Now she's like encountering people. Say, like, come, I found a prophet. His name is Jesus. This is what Jesus does. He shines light in the darkness. He came to offer us eternal life. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, that's the way through your pain because he wants to heal you. Most of the time we think, well, I can't come to Jesus because of my sin. And we think of it backwards. First, I have to quit doing this and give up on 
this, and I have to, I have to, we, we recognize our own brokenness, our humanity, and we think that's the thing we must fix to go to God, and so there's the shame that we're trying to get rid of, and it's backwards, when Jesus says, no, 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 bring me your sin, bring me your pain, bring me your brokenness, and then I will heal it, I will heal your brokenness, I will give life to your heart, I will start restoring you, you will become a new person, and the sin thing starts falling off of your life. This is the good news. Light and darkness, and I've come to give you eternal life. And here's the last one. So number one, he shines light in the darkness. Number two, he came to offer eternal life. And number three, he came to reveal the Father's heart to us. We read it. Jesus is in the closest relationship with the Father, and he's made him known. John actually tells us he came to shine light in in the dark times. Number two, he came to give you eternal life. And he's also come to reveal the heart of the Father and everything else. That's John chapter 1. And the next 21, 22 chapters of John is all Jesus exposing the Father's heart to us. Which is why he would say things like, I only do the things I see my father do. So when he's healing, what's happening? He's telling us he's a healing God. When he, when he goes to the woman at the well and offers his eternal life, he's showing us the father's heart is to not to embarrass you in your sin, but to bring healing to you. He's revealing the father's heart to us. This is why John 14, 7 says, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. Which is what he also said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father because he is the full expression of God. Philippians tells us that as well. This is why Jesus came. Last week, we asked the question, even if you don't believe in God, wouldn't you want that to be true? It's the same question for us today. The same question I'll ask again today. Even if you don't believe in God, wouldn't you want a God that can empathize with you? And wouldn't you want a God that doesn't want to expose what's going on in your life to put shame on you but actually heal you of your pain? Wouldn't you want a God who offers you a path through your pain? Offers healing. This is what Jesus is doing for us. And as we get to know Jesus better, we start to know the Father. John writes all of this so that we will know it is true. Look at this verse in John 20, 31. But these are written. What we read this morning, those 18 verses, and all of the rest of the book of John, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I don't know if John understood this or not when he's writing these words. And he wrote these words at the risk of his own life. John was arrested for his faith in Jesus, sent to the island of Patmos, 
which was where they sent the worst criminals and you live, you got to figure it out on your own. And he's an old man when, they, when he does it. John writes this at a time in history when you did not write these things unless you really believed it. And he tells us, I've written this. John may not known it, but God was using John through the Holy Spirit so that you and I would know it's true. I wrote this that you would believe it. I'm telling you all of these miracles so that you believe it. Jesus is the Messiah. He is God among us. He did visit his own creation. The Son of God that by believing you may have life. That you would have eternal life. That you would no longer be separated from God but that you would be connected with him. That you would know him. This is why Jesus came. To save us from our brokenness. To heal our hearts. To restore us to that which we really want, which is to be connected to a loving God. And if you don't believe in God, I would at least hope you'd want that to be true. Stand up. I'm going to close in prayer.